Likutei Sichos, Chelech Chafalev, Volume 21, the Sicha for Parshas Zohar. This Sicha is going to explain the mitzvah and also the concept of, quote, remembering Amalek, and also how it applies in a practical manner to our lives. Now we all know that in the Shabbos, prior to Purim, we read a special reading, we take out a second Torah, and we read Parshas Zohar. Where the Torah instructs us to remember, never to forget what Amalek did to us, and also to eradicate the existence of Amalek. Now, the actual obligation to read this from the Torah is actually min Torah. It's a biblical obligation. However, the time we read it, meaning that the fact that we read it on the Shabbos prior to Purim, this is already a rabbinic enactment. We'll see it later in the Sikha. Just a quick, as a quick introduction to familiarize ourselves with some concepts to help us flow through the Sicha. Something that's come up in the past in Sicha Sederebbe, this idea of Gavra and Chefza. You have certain mitzvahs that apply, so to speak, more to the Gavra, to the individual, and some which actually permeate and have an effect on the Chefza, on the object, meaning it connects to the object. So you have some, some mitzvahs which, for example the object itself becomes forbidden or an object of mitzvah. And then you have where the person, by virtue of his uh, behavior, sanctifies a thing or the opposite makes the thing forbidden for himself through his conviction or commitment to a certain higher level. Another thing, Hashem's name, Yud K Vav K. So we know that it has much meaning. Just want to focus on one particular angle, one that, that relates to the something that's going to come up to the Sicha. The, first of all, if you divide the name Yudke and Vavke, the name Yudke in itself happens to be also a name of Hashem. It comes up many times in Tehillim, in the course of davening. Yudke in itself is, an, is a name. However, when you have Yudke Vavke, to, the breakdown of it is, the Yud and the He represents, so to speak, the spiritual realm or practically the Chachma and Bina, the Yud is Chachma, the Bina, uh, the He is Bina, which means Chachma is the concept of everything, uh, literally the, you know, the wisdom, and the Bina is the understanding, whereas the Vav, six, represents already the six attributes or the emotions of the heart, and the He represents speech, Dibur, or practically speaking, that which leads to Misa, to implementation, to action. So let's get into the Sicha. The Rebbe says about this Takona, about this enactment, this custom to read Parsha Zohar on the Shabbos preceding Purim, the Mogen Avram, who's one of the great leading author- uh, halachic authorities, asks the following question. The fact is that we find that there are several, quote, Zichiris, remembrances, that the Torah requires us to remember, and in fact they have to be remembered we uh, we do so in the brachis of Shema, in the morning, in that final blessing prior to Kriya Shema in the morning of Shachris. And they are Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, the, what Amalek has done to us, what happened with Miriam, that is the Lashon Hara, the idea of Shabbos, the, also sadly what we you know perpetrated with the sin of the golden calf. So he asks, why is it that only this reading in the Torah was enacted was established as a mandatory reading. Why the story of Amalek? And he answers the following. He says, when it comes to Matan Torah, 
the general idea of remembering that the Torah was given, we do have a formal time in the year in which we celebrate this. So we have like an established time to remember it. And that is, of course, Shavuos. Shabbos, obviously, we celebrate it every Shabbos. And the other two, which is the story of Miriam and the story of the golden calf, that they did not want to make, you know, establish a formal reading because they speak, they somewhat depict negatively and it has an unfavorable image for the Jewish people. And therefore we left only with Amalek. That's the way the Mogin Avram explains it. However, the Rebbe takes issue with this. He says it doesn't suffice. Why? Because if this is the case, then we have Purim. On Purim itself, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the downfall of Haman, who is essentially Amalek, and therefore the downfall of, of, of the entirety of Amalek, whatever that was the remnant of Amalek that was left, that wanted to harm us. And number two, on Purim itself, we also read the act, the original story of Amalek as they came and attacked the Jewish people at the end of Parshas B'Shalach. And if, that, if it, this is the case, then why is there any need to have a, a separate reading on the Shabbos, at any Shabbos, or the Shabbos prior to Purim? So this all tells us, says the Rebbe, that there's something more here. In the reading of the story of Amalek, in the reading of the mitzvah of remembering Amalek, there's something so essential that perhaps this is what triggered the whole idea, the whole reason for why we are um, uh, obligated, for why we have this mitzvah of reading it. What is this reason, asks the Rebbe. And he says, look, you can actually, if you think about it, we can ask some more questions. In other words... Try to, to, to try to understand why is it that this specifically has to be read. In other words, what really is so important about this? Because if you think about it, to remember the Matan Torah makes sense because this is a very general thing. This is the foundation of everything we have, all the Torah mitzvahs. To remember Shabbos, it's also something very fundamental and very it has a general uh, uh, effect. Why? Because it doesn't only affect Shabbos itself, it affects the entire week. Shabbos is connected to the whole week. The story of the Egel, again, has a very general application because it has to do with Avodah Zarah and it's obviously so fundamental to Judaism, the whole concept of Avodah Zarah. Moreover, we know that after the story of the Egel, when Hashem did forgive the Jews, but He said, that unfortunately any single time, any time throughout history that there will be a punishment to the Jewish people, some of it will also be, so to speak, payback, will be residual punishment for the Egel. So you see that it has a general effect throughout all generations. And of course, the story with Miriam, which has to do with Lashon Hara, is a very general mitzvah because it's a very severe one. In fact, it is depicted as being as severe, comparable to the three cardinal sins of Gilead, Aish, Vichas, Dam, and Zara. So, the, but remembering Amalek, it seems like it's just another particular mitzvah, and it doesn't seem that it has such a general application to a Jew's life. Moreover, if you think about the mitzvah of remembering what Amalek did, as it says it here in the Parsha, which we read on this Shabbos, it would seem that it's not such a significant mitzvah in and itself. Because really what it is, is just to trigger our memory to lead us up to the ultimate mitzvah of what? The ultimate mitzvah of Mechias Amalek, of annihilating the existence of Amalek. But in our day, in our times, number one, we cannot effectively do this because this mitzvah only applies. Not only practically can we not do it, but the obligation doesn't apply nowadays because it only applies in a time when all Jews are settled in Israel and we have a king. Moreover, 
we all know that there was a time when Sancheirev, the king Sancheirev came, and it says, Bilbel is He mixed up the whole world. So today we couldn't even identify, according to Halacha, with any level of accuracy, who Amalek is. So even if we did have the chance, we wouldn't be able to do, we may be killing innocent people. So the question is, why is it such a great virtue, such a great obligation to read the, about the mitzvah of remembering Amalek, it doesn't really seem to be A, so important, it doesn't it's, it seem to be B, so applicable nowadays, why are we reading about it? So the Rebbe says to understand this, we'll take a little closer look and try to better appreciate what is this idea, what is the concept of remembering Amalek? Why, what is that whole idea of remembering what Amalek did? Because number one, we can ask like we just did, that it seems that the obligation in our days about remembering Amalek will never lead to the actual eradication of the existence of Amalek, because it's not possible. And number two, why do why is, in the first place, are there two separate commandments related to this matter? In other words, it would seem that remembering Amalek is not a mitzvah in itself, but rather it's just a prerequisite to trigger the person's uh, memory, and therefore to trigger the person to action to go and to eradicate Amalek. But the fact is that it's a separate mitzvah. Ah, says the Rebbe from this, we can conclude that in remembering Amalek, what Amalek did, in, in itself, there's already a whole concept, there's already an entire idea in itself. And perhaps, says the Rebbe, this is the reason why the Rambam, in enumerating these, this, these mitzvahs, actually enumerates them as two separate mitzvahs, as the mitzvah of remembering Amalek and a mitzvah of eradicating Amalek. Because remembering Amalek is a mitzvah in itself, and it's a mitzvah, says the Rebbe, that applies to every individual, whereas the eradication of Amalek, the annihilation of Amalek, of their existence, that only is a collective mitzvah, applies to all Jews, and as we said, only in certain conditions, where there's a king and so on. So we see that this is such an important thing that it applies to every single individual. Every single individual, as that individual is obligated to keep the Torah. In other words, this has to lead us to conclude that the idea of remembering what Amalek did is so general that it applies to every aspect of a Jew's connection to the Torah. And as we mentioned before, the other remembrances are very, very general things that apply to the general life of a Jew as it connects to Torah. And the Rebbe explains, what is it about a Amalek that is so bad? So we know the Gemara in the Torah says that Amalek is Yodeya Esri Boinoi Omechavin Liberdoi. Amalek, quote, knows his, his master. He means he knows the, 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 the master of the world. He knows Hashem, but he has intention to rebel against him. In other words, this is an intentional thing. It's not something that's done out of lack of knowledge, out of lack of awareness. He's aware of Hashem. He's aware of what Hashem is. But yet, he chooses deliberately to go against Hashem. Now, says the Rebbe, the truth is in every single Jew, there could be a little tiny Amalek. Albeit in a very refined manner, but is a little tiny Amalek that could be in every Jew. In other words, the Jew is fully aware and is cognizant of the fact that Hashem is in charge, there's this Torah, mitzvahs, and so on and so forth, but yet a little tiny Amalek could be brewing somewhere inside the person. And this is the mitzvah, to remember, to recognize, to identify the Amalek aspect that's in us, and this will cause us not to fall into it, not to fall 
uh, victim to it. And moreover, this in itself, by remembering, by being aware, by being cognizant of it, will also affect the eradication of Amalek in ourselves by not allowing us to act on it. That is, in effect, the annihilation of Amalek that's in ourselves. So, since the Torah is, quote, the Balabas on the world, we know that whatever the Torah says, whenever you say words of Torah, whatever the Torah decides, whatever it concludes, is an obligate, uh, obligating factor on the world. We have many examples written in the, in, the, in the Gemara. And therefore, it was established to read it in the Torah, to therefore bring about, to implement it in the world, and now that the person should be able to effectively implement it in himself, namely the remembering of Amalek, and thus the eradication of Amalek within the person himself. And this is why this reading is Min HaToyda, as we said in the introduction. It's true that the Gemara says... In Abayi Zara, the Gemara says that that to me the words of the rabbis, meaning the words of the Chachamim, are sweeter to me, meaning they're more choicier to me. They feel so much more special, even more than the words of Torah. That is true. And the Rebbe will explain in a moment why. However, the Poyal Mamish means in actuality, down to earth, the effect when something is an obligation in Hatayda, the effect of it is much stronger and, 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 and more severe. Because a mitzvah of Hatayda affects the world. So to speak, the chetzah, the object of the world. When something is in Hatayda, it means, so to speak, that it's non-negotiable. There's no discussion. The Torah makes it usher. The Torah makes it forbidden. So the thing itself, the object itself is an object of Isur. An object which is untouchable, there's nothing to negotiate. Whereas if something is the Rabbanon, the real effect of the, a mitzvah the Rabbanon is more, so to speak, on the Gavra, on the person, so to speak. And the idea behind it is that the person, as a servant of Hashem, chooses to do more for the Master. The person, so to speak, elects chooses to be more devoted, to be more de- de- dedicated by going the extra mile. And that's what makes it so much sweeter, as we said, the saying from Chazal. But it doesn't mean that it in itself becomes an object with full power, like something which is Asr min HaToyra, or in this case is a mitzvah min HaToyra. When it's a mitzvah min HaToyra, the effect of it is more is much stronger than when it's a mitzvah de Rabbanon. Another point... When something is a mitzvah, when something is a mitzvah in Hatoida, sometimes it's not so noticeable, it's not so obvious, or at least overtly, that the person is doing it exclusively for Hashem. In other words, it could be that the person is doing it to affect the results. Since Torah makes, gives results, since whatever the Torah says or does, the sides has an effect on the world. So it could be, at least to what meets the eye, that the person is doing it to affect the world. Whereas when one is doing a mitzvah de Rabbanon, this in itself is an indicator that all the person is doing is trying to ex- please Hashem. In other words, it's exclusively just to do something to bring more service to Hashem. That's why the words of the Chachamim, as we said before, the mitzvahs de Rabbanon are, quote, sweeter. But in actuality, again, the effect of the mitzvah is much more powerful, much more decisive, and much more conclusive when it is 
something that comes with Hatayra. And therefore we read this Parsha, the Shabbos prior to Purim. Because since it's Min HaToyra, it gives us the ability to affect us, the world, and the person. That means the world as a collective, in general the idea of, of remembering Amalek, and specifically as we explained in the Sikha, it gives the person the necessary power and potential to be able to overcome the Amalek that's within, within us. And this will help us also understand that why the why we make why we um, read it because this is something which applies to every single person every single moment and it affects the effectiveness of the person's ability to be able to do Torah mitzvahs as we'll soon explain what really Amalek wanted what they sought we'll understand even better because remember the question that we asked it doesn't seem to be a, a mitzvah that applies generally to all Torah mitzvahs. Here we can appreciate that it does. Because there's a little Amalek in each and every one of us. And this Amalek may, God forbid, prevent a person from acting and doing what they really know they should be doing. They know the Hashem. They know the Master. However, there could be a kavana, intentionally or unintentionally, Limroid boy, God forbid to rebel against him. Therefore, we read this, you know, because this is so general, this applies to every single mitzvah, every single aspect of the Torah. Where do we see this? At the end of Parshas Bishalach, in that reading which we read on Purim itself, over there it says that Hashem swears and he says, Kiyod al that Kiyod al the Chazal, and this is a, a, a war that Hashem has with Amalek throughout all generations. And the Chazal tell us, if you look at the word case, it says, Ein hakisei shalim. It doesn't say kisei, the throne, the seat literally, but it says case, it's missing the olive, so it's incomplete. And kiyot al case ka, ka is yudke, which is only a partial name of Hashem. Right? So the Chazal tell us, Ve'ein Hashem shalim. The name of Hashem is not complete until Amalek is totally eradicated. But if you think about it for a second, one second, it seems that Amalek is only uh, opposing, so to speak, the completion of Hashem's name, not the entirety of the name. And it doesn't say that he totally opposes Hashem's name. He only opposes half of Hashem's name. Moreover, as we said in the introduction, Yudke in itself is a complete name. And it seems that the Pasuk itself is admitting that Amalek doesn't oppose to it. So what then is Amalek's issue? In other words, what and what is so severe about it? What is really the big matter here? The answer is Amalek's opposition. Amalek's problem is with the Maise Bepoyo, actual implementation of Torah Mitzvahs. In other words, he is not so much opposed to the wisdom, to the understanding of Torah. On, 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 on the contrary, that he can agree with, that he can feel like is a very, very good thing, at least culturally. What he has a problem with is to actually bring it down to to thought, to speech, and then to action. Into actual implementation of Torah mitzvahs. And in other words, he has a problem with the vav and the hey. Bringing it down into the person's emotions, into thought and speech, and then bringing it down into the hey, the speech and action. That's where he has a problem with. He doesn't have a problem so much with the youth K, with the spiritual aspect of it, even with the intellectual aspect of it. And this is what each person has to be very careful in. Here's where we have to be focused, at least in a very refined manner. There's many times when we understand that we have to do the Torah mitzvahs, that we understand that it's the correct thing to do. But for whatever reason, we lack the, the tenacity, we lack the energy to have the Kabbalah's oil 
to go ahead and do what we have to do. And this is what it's all about. This is the idea of remembering Abolik and thus eradicating that type of behavior. And with this we can understand another thing. It makes sense. Why, as we read in that Parshas Bishalach, the end of Parshas Bishalach that is, why is it that Amolik came to attack the Jewish people right before they were going to get the Torah? After Kriyas Yamsuf? Because he realized they're going to get the Torah. What does Matan Torah do? What the Torah did was, it took the spiritual realm and brought it down and connected it to this lowly world. So he connected the higher-ups with the lower down. Meaning, it now brought about the ability to bring Torah mitzvahs into actuality, into implementation. That's precisely what Amalek had a problem with, and that's why he came in attack. He didn't have a problem when the Torah was up there. Like the angel said, let the Torah stay up there. That was fine with him, and he could, pre- he could appreciate that. But once he realized they're getting closer and closer to Har Sinai, and now Hashem will bring back down the Torah, the Torah can now come down here and permeate the Mata, this lower world, and now they're going to actually implement it in the world, that's where he had a problem. And now, of course, we know that we have our work cut out, and we need to remember Amalek, and thus eradicate Amalek that was in us, and through this, says the Rebbe, certainly we will come to the real, literal remembering of Amalek, and thus the eradication of Amalek with the coming of Mashiach Tzikenu.